Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and with me, as always, is Dr. Jay Jones. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Yep. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Not, not bad. All right. Doing better than you today, George. You think so? George came in a little grumpy. I wouldn't say I'm grumpy. I don't think I'm grumpy. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those days. It's just it's it's a Monday for us. Yeah. It's just a Monday. Yeah, it is. Mondays are can be tough days. Yeah, they can be. Not all the time. I'm doing all right today. I don't know why. You don't. Just God's grace. <laughs> you don't know why. Usually, you know, I'm, okay. Mondays I'm right after you preach and yeah. do day all day. You know. You, Ministry stuff, you're kind of just tired. Right. I don't know. I guess I got a good night's sleep, man. Okay. I, I got I got a plumbing stuff I got to go fix at my house. Oh, yeah. So I don't really have any excuse to be in a good mood. Okay. But I am. I don't know. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'll be going to do today. Fixing the dishwasher hose stuff. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'd yeah. offer to help, but I'd probably nah. just make it worse. It's really it's not a it's not a hard fix. It's a easy it's an easy fix, but Okay. Yeah. No big no big problem. Hopefully I can find the cord. That'll be the thing. Finding the actual one. Yeah. So All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, today is Text Driven Tuesday, so we're going to be talking about the sermon that uh, Jay preached on Sunday here at Christ Fellowship Church. And uh, Jay, I thought I'd ask you a question before we oh, no. begin. Surprises? Uh, what are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Yeah, what are you afraid of? Uh, man, I can honestly say, I think, I feel like I can say this with all honesty. Um, the only things I'm really afraid of are sharks. That's it. I think I've told you that before, dude. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't know. It's ira- It's totally irrational. I think like it I, is. I you to... live. You live almost as far away from a shark that you possibly can get, Jay, here in Oklahoma. I don't. And... <laughs> I'll probably never go on a cruise. People are like cruises are awesome. Okay. I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah. So, I, I don't know if it's that I'm scared of sharks or if I'm scared of. There's this some phobia. It's like a being in the middle of the ocean mm-hmm. and like not being able to see what's under you. I, I yeah. don't know which it is, okay. but I try to think in my mind. I, I think it's just sharks. I, it's so it's so strange. But yeah. I'm not really scared of spiders or like snakes or um, I don't know. I think the being in the military like kind of helps you to get over a lot of fears. Yeah, they'll put you like up on high things, you know, and or they'll cram you like you have to crawl through little holes. Mm-hmm. So the pho- various phobias you, people have, they just have to confront them. Yeah, and get over it. Right. Learn to get over it. Um, Sharks. Sharks. Me, huh? <laughs> I try to think like, oh, but being attacked by a bear in the woods would be bad. Uh-huh. And like, for some reason, I'm But not, you're not really afraid And that's of... way more possible. Than that is. Where we, like, <laughs> like, it's more likely a bear escapes from the zoo in Oklahoma right. City, like, takes a cross-country trek down here and right. hits me while I'm walking out to the car <laughs> than sharks. But if you, like, sharks send a shiver up my spine if I think about it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Well, all what right. are you afraid of? What am I afraid of? Well, the things that you're not afraid of, apparently. Spiders? Spiders. Oh, <laughs> oh man. And snakes. And snakes. I, really? I hate just the thought of, of snakes. Just, ugh. Really? Yeah. So fear factor? You're not getting the money? No. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah? Probably not. Um, yeah. 
But I think that I think that the the things I fear are, are things that a lot of people are afraid of. I yeah. mean, people are afraid of spiders. Yeah. Um, people are afraid of snakes. Uh-huh. They're just they're just gross. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, we're talking about fear today, right? Yep. Talking about fear um, from John chapter eighteen verses <clears throat> twelve through twenty seven, but we're talking about a particular kind of fear, mm-hmm. not a fear of spiders or snakes or sharks. Yeah, uh, but the fear of man, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that it's important before we jump in to uh, to recognize that there are two. There are really two kinds of fear. There is good fear. And there's bad fear. Mm-hmm. There's godly fear and there's ungodly fear. Mm-hmm. So godly fear would be fearing God. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, also, there's the godly fear of um, preparing for danger. Yeah. So it's it's good if there's uh, if you're walking along and there's a you know a rattlesnake in your path and you're afraid. That's a good fear. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a God given fear. Right. So that we. Um, can be prepared for danger, mm-hmm. um, but there's ungodly fear, right? And so we're going to be talking about ungodly fear today. Yeah. Uh, how how would you maybe define ungodly fear? Um, I think it is. It. How do you describe it? I don't really know how to how to put it into words. It's having a um, incorrect perspective. Start start maybe there, um, placing high worth in uh, or more value in something that it deserves to have. So the reverse of that would be the loss of that thing then induces a type of fear that you are not meant to have toward other, mm-hmm. like toward other people. So you could think about um, people losing a relationship with someone that, that is uh make like kind of takes them to a level of association that they're afraid to under like offend that person or cross them because if they do they may lose something that maybe that they shouldn't have been seeking in the first place mm-hmm. um that's ungodly yeah. um power losing power uh is is a is the fear of fear of man is related to that too. Yeah. What can people do to me to take away the things that I have? Uh this power that I that I think I need in my life. So it the fear of that exposes another sin in a in a way. Yeah. Which it's a it's an ungodly thing to to desire and to seek power. Mm. Right. It, I guess unless your plan is to totally use that in a selfless manner, then maybe it wouldn't be. I don't know. Ungodly fear is to fear things um, that we shouldn't fear, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess that's the best way to describe it. Uh, we ought not to be afraid of what people think about us. Yeah, like that shouldn't cripple us. Yeah, I, I think um, I think how I would define ungodly fear is is as in the very the very title we give it ungodly mm-hmm. i think it's fear without without reference to god without thinking about god yeah so if i was afraid of you know uh spiders to like a crippling degree mm-hmm. um so that i'm 
I'm always fearful, that would be an ungodly fear. Yeah. Because it's without reference to um, the sovereignty and, and protection of God. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so, like, fear of losing power um, without reference to God, your power is an idol. Yeah. Um, if you don't recognize that you're under the authority of God. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I think this 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 will be good. Um, I like that kind of definition, that working definition, because it may come up later when we can mm-hmm. talk about what Jesus is experiencing. Yeah, because you can't you can't say because he's a man, right? Right. And I I don't buy it where people say. Well, I do buy that the number one thing Jesus was dreading in the garden was the wrath of God. Mm-hmm. But he's a man, and I don't know any man that's like, yeah, you know what? I'll get crucified. Right. Just, <laughs> just put the nail right here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it won't break. It won't break any bones, so it can't be that bad. Right. <laughs> no. No. This is the most horrendous way to die. Yeah. And he's a man. Yeah. And of course, that had to make him a little afraid. I don't think that the there would question be... is, what does he do with right. it? Right. I don't think there'd be anything sinful in saying that Jesus flinched. Right. You know, when they put the nail. Yeah. Uh, he obviously, his, I'm sure he, I'm sure he, it hurt. I'm sure he cried right? out. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> he, he experienced pain. He had all the same nerve endings that, yeah. that we have. Yeah. yeah. It, the question is, what does he do with that fear? What's he do with that fear? Yeah. And in relationship to God, yeah. uh, what does he do? So we're talking about a particular kind of fear in the passage today, mm-hmm. the fear of man. Mm-hmm. That's not a fear that, um, I think a lot of people would would list right, like in the, in those surveys that, that yeah. you see the things that people fear. Uh, fear of man probably doesn't even make the list. They won't list it, but it's the most universal, right? Yeah, it's the one that transcends all cultures. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't, you know, this isn't an American thing. Yeah, this transcends all cultures and classes of people, and even time. Yeah, and all of human history and time. This is uh, the one thing that I think everyone can say they've experienced mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what is fear of man? Well, it can be as drastic as fearing your life. Like, what can someone do to you? Like, they can physically harm you or even take your life. Uh, there's that fear. There's yeah. the fear of losing reputa- reputation, um, power, losing power, losing prestige, losing your position. So you have an unnatural, or, or, or not an unnatural, because it's actually quite natural for the fallen man, but you have an unhealthy um, estimation of other people's view of you. Mm. That's another one. Yeah. Right? What do people think of me? Right. Um, all of this can fall under that. I mean, peer pressure itself is mm-hmm. is a result of fear of man. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Going along because you don't want to be viewed as an outsider. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So why are we talking about fear of man today, Jay? Well, because uh, we're talking about Peter betraying Jesus. That's where we are in this passage. And um, we want to know what's behind it. Like, like Like, how does he do it? Why does he do it? After seeing everything that he's seen... After swearing, right? It's like, no one, uh, they'll all betray you, but I won't. I'll, yeah. d- I'll die for you. Right. Jesus is like, no, you're going to de- deny me three times for mm-hmm. the rooster crows. Right. And so we just want to, we want to look at that. We see the motivations because I think when you look at it, you can better understand yourself. And then also, there's a contrast between Peter and Jesus, I think, and you can better understand and have a better appreciation for all that he is on behalf of his people. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, do you want to read the passage for us, and then we can we can jump into talking about it? Yeah. All right. So uh, this is uh, John 18, beginning in verse 12. If we can switch over to that on the screen. There we go. It says, So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. So this is right after the garden. We talked about last week, Jesus, they confront him in the garden. Or does he confront them, right? That's the <laughs> right. that's the surprise twist kind of in there. So the band of soldiers, their captains, and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, so and so did another disciple, since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants of the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? And he denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest. A relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? And Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. All right. Well, um, you divided this into three points mm-hmm. um, because it's more than just Peter, and it's more than just Jesus. Yeah. There's the religious leaders also. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you divided this uh, so we could look at the fear of the Jews. Yeah. Then the fear of Peter, mm-hmm. and then the bravery of Jesus. Yeah. Um, so that's how we'll talk about it uh, this morning. Okay, so, let's do it. Uh, the fear of the Jews. All we right. see this in verses 12 through 14. They, mm-hmm. these, uh, the cohort and these, uh, these soldiers and servants, they probably don't re- realize how close they got to just being annihilated. Right. Like they, they just dodged the bullet here. They almost got Thanos snapped. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, because they come to bind Jesus... And uh, he asked them, who are you seeking? And they mm. say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am. And they all fall down. Yeah. Right? Uh, so if Jesus didn't want to get bound, <laughs> there, was no one, yeah. there was no one in They're that garden. Him. There was no one in that garden who was going to be able to bind him. Yep. Um, so this is, this is um, you know, it, it's just a quick descriptive sentence that we often just kind of. Yeah glance at don't really don't really take any thought to but it's important for us to realize that Jesus allowed himself to be bound right right yeah 
we don't have the the sentence and you know the statement in Matthew Matthew's gospel where Jesus says I I could call down legions of mm-hmm. of angels um, from my father to uh, to protect me if I if I wanted to mm-hmm. uh, so Jesus has all this power and he again this is his humility his mm-hmm. humiliation is that he allows himself to be bound yeah mm-hmm. right. that's right yeah uh, but they take him to uh, they take him to Annas, and so let's talk about the fear of the Jews. What what what's going on here, Jay? All right. So the narrative is like a back and a forth thing, right? So making an outline for people to grasp is yeah. was a challenge in this, but you know, I think verse fourteen gives us a big textual clue that what it what we should go back to is eleven, which then reveals to us our motivations. So okay. I'll kind of walk through how, how we get there. That takes us back to understanding the fear as to why what's the motivation for arresting this man who hasn't he's done nothing but heal people uh speak with great authority accurately uh raise a dead man and they want to kill him now if you're if you're just looking at this and you see that they're they're coming to him with um swords and torches and and uh, they're binding him. They're bringing him uh, back for this trial. They're going to start hitting him. It doesn't look like they're afraid. Yeah, it doesn't look like they're afraid at all. <clears throat> uh, so what what makes you think that they're afraid? Well, um, when we go back to eleven, we'll see that. But first, maybe just some cultural background understanding of what's going on. It says they took him to Annas, the high priest, or, or Annas. In other passages, Annas is called the high priest, and then it it talks about Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, and it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Um, so there's some confusion. Like some uh, skeptics would even point this out. So there's contradictions in the Bible that you guys don't know even who the high priest was. Well, we <laughs> yeah. we do because what's happened is um, Annas was the high priest, right? He is, I guess, what we would call the the one who's legitimate i don't think any of them were legitimate because he's appointed by the romans mm-hmm, too right but he would claim to be the legitimate one yeah because you're supposed to serve as a high priest for your whole life and it's really just become at this point a political position uh, you're like they're puppets of rome pretty much but they still have incredible power and influence over the jewish people so he's appointed the high priest annas in ad6 and he serves in that position till ad 15 and he's removed by the predecessor of Pontius Pilate. Okay. Pontius Pilate is the one they'll take Jesus to in a second. So he removes him, doesn't like him for whatever reason, but he has the power. He's like, no, you're out of here. Someone else is coming in. Well, it's his son-in-law, Caiaphas, who's at this point the one who's been appointed. But in all the Jewish people's mind, Annas is still the power behind mm-hmm. the high priesthood. There would also be four others who were Annas's sons, so the Romans would just change these guys out like yeah. nothing. Like we don't like what you said, we don't like what you did. Get us, get us another, you know. This uh, so Annas, he has actually what I found out is he actually gets a cut of everything sold in the temple precinct. Okay, it's not a detail we're told in the Bible. You get yeah. it from history, from mm-hmm. reading history, but he makes a lot of money. Yeah. And you remember Jesus has clear the temple, right. I believe two times he's done it, okay. at the beginning of his ministry, at the end. Uh, so there may be some monetary motivations uh-huh. to this right. as well, <laughs> but I think we just we go with what the text says. Um, Caiaphas, so it mentions, took him to Annas, and then they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. So they're taking Jesus to like this um, compound of houses. Okay. It has a courtyard in the middle, 
It's like the high priest quarters uh, where these guys would live. Annas probably had a side, Caiaphas had a side. Don't know for sure, but that's probably what it was, the courtyard there in the middle, and that's where they take him. And the comment is important in verse 14. It was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die uh, for the people. So that's their strategy. They're like, what? It's better to kill one man. Uh, and he prophesies uh, on accident, I guess you would say. <laughs> right. Um, speaking about like what Jesus does for his people. Yeah. If you go back to 11, starting in verse 45, what happens is Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, which obviously causes a lot of commotion. It's kind of a big deal. Right. Tons of Jews are gathering in, in Jerusalem during this time. It was around, I think, a week before um, before Passover when this happened, so tons, there's tons of people are crammed in here. Well, people believe, some of the Jews believe, uh, he raised the dead man. Some run back, and they tell the leading uh, Jewish people, uh, the Pharisees, the scribes, they call them here the council in John 11, which is a Sanhedrin, the, the ruling 70, the most powerful men in Israel. And they then devise a plan, we have to kill Jesus, right? And also, chapter 12, we find out, they say, we got to kill Lazarus too. <laughs> yeah. How crazy is that? Let's kill this guy that just got raised back to life. Right. He's the evidence. Yeah. we got to kill Jesus, we got to kill the evidence. And the motivation is found... Um, in the text, uh, if you look at it in verse 47, so the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do for this man performs many signs? That's important, right? Yeah. They are acknowledging right. he's doing everything Yeah. for real. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. <laughs> Why is that a problem? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, that's only a problem if you're in charge, right? Because you're about to not be in charge. Mm -hmm. um, well, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. So then, see the important detail is both our place, yeah. and our nation. Yeah. So what what's fueling their irrational treatment of Jesus is um, not a fear of God. If they feared God, they would search the scriptures, which we can go. We'll look at in a little while, I think. Um, they fear man. They don't want to lose their place. They have influence and power. He threatens it, right? The whole nation will go after him. Yeah. They may all believe he's the Messiah if we don't stop this. Um, and the Romans will come and take away our place. Mm. We'll lose all, they'll remove us or they'll kill us all. Yeah. We might lose the whole nation. They might kill everybody. So instead of fearing God and going, Okay, uh, what's he been doing? And seeing how it all aligns up with Scripture, yeah. and going, oh, well, look what God has done. And not fearing the Romans, and, and like bowing down to Jesus, they go, I think they may have had a suspicion he was who he was, yeah. and they're like, we, we can't have him. Well, it's, it's like Herod. Right. It's like Herod um, in Matthew chapter 2, when the, the Magi come, asking where's where's the one who's been born king of the Jews <laughs> and he says well go go find him and come back and tell me so I can go worship him too right um, and he asks where you know where's the where's the Messiah supposed to be born and they tell him Bethlehem and, right and he you know the the magi they escape him and and he kills all the all the children yeah um, <laughs> he he is uh, deliberately trying to kill the Messiah. Yep. 
Yep. It's not that he doesn't believe that the Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. It's that he 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 believes, <laughs> he believes he it. Be. He believes it, and he wants to kill him. Crazy. Yeah. So fear, fear doesn't always look like trembling. Right. Like we have to. We have to. We have to understand what fear actually is. It's. It's not. It doesn't always manifest itself as breaking out into a cold sweat. Mm-hmm. It. It can manifest itself into anger. Um, even murderous rage, evil schemes, evil schemes, irrational behavior. We'll see that with Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to, we need to be aware that fear doesn't always look like um, what we kind of have been conditioned uh-huh. to think about it. Um, you know, if you see a mouse run through your house, you might have a different kind of fear. Right, you might jump up, <laughs> but. Uh, fear of losing your place, fear of losing your power um, could expose itself as lying, mm-hmm. um, cheating, coming up with some kind of... Like, uh, remember the Abraham I, I used uh-huh, in yeah. the intro? How irrational. Right. This Abraham has seen God. Yeah. So so fear is going to show itself in, yeah. in a variety of different ways. It doesn't always look the same, but right. it all comes down to the same the same root problem is, mm-hmm. is we've got an idol problem. Yeah, and that's what the religious leaders here have. They have an idol problem. Yep, they want to hold on to their power, um, and they've they've elevated it above God, and so they're willing to kill God to maintain their their idol. Yeah, right? uh huh. The irony is that they want to maintain their their power and their place. Yeah, um, they're afraid that the Romans are going to destroy it, and it's actually because they kill the Messiah that the Romans come. And destroy them, and destroy the and, city in eighty seventy. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. when you try to when you try to hold on to it with without any any uh, reference to God, without any thought to God, you're actually yeah. going to lose lose out anyway. Yeah. And I kind of p- presented this at the beginning as like a picture, a living picture of Proverbs twenty nine twenty five. This whole scenario, yeah, which is the fear of man lays a snare or a trap, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. And you really see that with them, right? Yeah. They have laid a trap, a bear trap for themselves. Right. It just doesn't come until 8070. Yeah. Is it, but it happens because they're they're afraid. They're, right. They fear man. Right. Okay. So fear of the Jews. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add to to that? No, we'll some will some more will come up okay. in a little bit when we talk about Jesus standing before the priest and okay. what they should have seen. Right. They examined his teaching. Right. <laughs> right. And we'll keep picking up on this as yeah. they go to Pilate also. Yeah. Um, they've got some irrational things that they're going to do later on, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So let's talk about the fear of Peter because that's the that's kind of the big the big story that's going on here. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting about John's um uh, presentation of it is that it's not all together. Yeah. So he he splits it up. Yeah, and um, you you mentioned, and I th- I think that you're right that there's kind of a, a contrast between Peter and Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah, the his narrative is broken, and there's like a a literary device, I guess uh-huh, you would call yeah, it, yeah. Um, which is that he was warming himself. Mm-hmm. And so if you look, I better turn back here. Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself, and then it goes to Jesus and. The uh, Ananas, the high priest, and then verse twenty-five, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. Okay. So it's like here's a break in right. Peter's story with these two phrases, yeah. and in the middle is Jesus, yeah. and the 
being questioned. Okay. All right. All right. So so Peter follows Jesus. Uh-huh. Uh probably at a fairly good distance, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> After yeah. cutting off uh the high priest servant's ear, he probably is uh creeping mm-hmm. <laughs> behind. <laughs> All right. And so does another disciple. Yeah. All right, who's this guy? Well, uh most people think that it's John, the okay. writer of this gospel. Okay. So this other disciple, not named, uh, walk, walks into the high priest quarters. Okay, all right, uh-huh. interesting stuff yeah. here. Yeah, that's right, it, it really is. Um, it was kind of a new concept for me to think about that they were, like, how do you just, how do you get in there? Right. You got guards and stuff, uh-huh. policemen, right. And they're probably they're probably on high alert. Yeah. Bringing in I think, Jesus, yeah, I think there could be an insurrection, uh-huh. and this guy just walks uh, walks in there. Well, okay. the, the text says that uh, that they that he knew that he was known to the high priest, and okay. that and that word known really means kind of like a close friend, okay. like more than just an acquaintance. Like it's just somebody that you know from living in the area. Okay. Like they know each other pretty well. That's it, that's very interesting dynamic to think about. Okay. Jesus's disciples is well known yeah. to the high priest. Enough to get in. And we know that there's a distinction because John is able to go in while verse 16 says that Peter stood outside at the door. Yeah, he can't get so in. So they, they didn't let just anybody in. Yeah. So they didn't know they didn't know Peter, but they knew John. Mm-hmm. How is this how is this possible, Jay? Well, there are a couple of theories. Well, first off, why is it John? What's the good evidence of it being John? Some people say, oh, this is just some disciple. Yeah. Well, the way John writes is he never names himself. Mm-hmm. Whenever he does talk about himself, he, he uses terms like this. Right. Uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah. The one reclining at Jesus' side. Um, and in here, another disciple. He names pretty much everybody else in this whole gospel. Yeah. Even Nicodemus. Right. Instead of saying, oh, just some random you got you, you even have Malchus being named, <laughs> right. but he doesn't name himself. Yeah. So not naming the disciple is a good indicator. It's him. Yeah. Another good indicator is the detail of a charcoal fire. Okay. You just say a fire, but he sees what kind of fire. Okay. Um, so here's kind of the theories as to how this could be possible. Well, one, I think one, you say, here's the biblical evidence. There's, there's biblical evidence John isn't poor, as we would think about fishermen. Mm-hmm. Right? We might think of Peter as poor because he's running an operation, right? He's just out there, you know, mending his nets, grinding it out. But uh, John's dad, so James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Jesus calls them to follow him, and when they come, Mark 1, 19-20 tells us, they leave the nets and their father and his servants. So they, they've got apparently got a fishing operation where the you, you got to have money to hire other servants that aren't your family. Right. So you have people working. So one idea is that uh, this that John's dad is pretty well off. This fishing operation is pretty successful. You got to have fish in Jerusalem. High, high priests got to eat too. <laughs> right. So yeah. there's a connection maybe through okay. this business. Okay. Uh, that's a good theory. Okay. That's just the biblical one. There's another theory that's not told to us in the Bible, but um, kind of comes from church history. I think it's Polycarp. Polycarp was John's disciple, correct? Mm. And so we have the martyrdom of Polycarp recorded. Right. Well, I tried and tried to search for this letter. Apparently there's another letter that Polycarp writes where he names John, which would have been his mentor, mm-hmm. 
he names him as a Levite. Okay. I couldn't find it, so I couldn't just bring it in and say, I think this is it. Yeah. Uh, but that's another possibility, is okay. that he's in the priestly class. Okay. That's his lineage. Okay. Um, and so we would think, well, there's this separation between the, the classes. High mm-hmm. priests aren't going to do that fishing thing. Right. And, but that's kind of a Western import into yeah. the separation of classes, because priests could do other jobs, right. and they did. They They had to do other jobs so that they could provide for their families because yeah. they had they had a rotating schedule uh-huh. so they weren't always on at the temple on duty right yeah and so they did they they would do other things and work with other things yeah. paul apparently developed a skill in working leather and making tents and stuff mm-hmm. and so that's another possibility john the baptist surprising is you don't think of john the baptist as like this priestly guy <laughs> right but he's in line to the priesthood yeah he's a levite right he's but he's this crazy guy in the wilderness right so we can't think about white collar, blue collar. There's more of a mixture of intermingling of things right. going on. Yeah. So he's he gets in because he's known. Okay. And there's evidence that he that that he knows the the priest. I mean, he's the only one who names Malchus as the servant of the high priest. And he names Nicodemus. He names Nicodemus. He, yeah. yeah. He names these guys that um, he maybe would have had more contact with. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he's able to get in because he's got this connection. Either it's because of his wealth or because he actually is a Levite. Yep. All right. And then he secures a way for Peter to get in. So he okay. goes to the door and he's like, "Let him. Let you know. Let that guy in." Yeah. And so okay. he starts to come in. Okay. And the uh, the servant girl, which is like a young girl, uh huh, was like, "Hey." Uh, and it's not like I, I don't even know that it's a negative question. It's like. He's one of his disciples, John. Mm-hmm. Um, aren't you one of his disciples too? Yeah. As he comes in, and right. he's like, "Oh, you know, <laughs> right? Not me. Not me. I don't know him. Uh-huh. I don't know him. Yeah. Just curious about what's going on. Right. You know. He's 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 afraid. He's he's got so much fear. He can't even say yes to a little girl. Right. He's afraid that she's going to narc on him. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's crazy to think about this guy who's just. Took out a sword and willing to <laughs> right. to start uh, against overwhelming odds. Yeah, he's like taking this is like his Thermopylae. Yeah, the twelve versus the three hundred soldiers. Yep, and he's gonna. It's like he's on now. He's willing to die. Yeah. He's, uh-huh. At that point, he's willing to fight and die. Right, but he's not willing to follow Jesus' pattern. Yeah, and uh, and actually die. Yeah, and give himself up in humility. He's afraid. He's really afraid in his. I think his overreaction is a mask yeah. for his fear. Right. Yeah. Again, fear it 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 manifests itself in different ways. Yeah. yeah so I, I agree with you. I think that him lashing out that's because he's afraid. It's it's mm-hmm. just another it's just another aspect of his fear. Yeah, he's yeah. lost. He loses control of himself. Right. And so he lashed out and and his big bomb like how bombastic he is. <laughs> right. And. Uh, he, he in front of all of his buds, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll all fall away before me. Yeah, I'll never fall away. I'll die for you. Right? <laughs> like he's just spouts off at the mouth, and that's just that's all that's all that is is just hiding how who he really is is mm-hmm. someone who's actually afraid. Yeah, to die for Jesus. Right. And so he he denies to this little girl. Yeah, that's the first one. Okay, so we're we're looking for three, right? So now he goes, and there's you know. Peter was with them, standing and warming himself. Okay. So these people who were involved in Jesus' arrest, Peter 
is so insecure about himself, he's willing to go stand by a fire with these guys. Yeah. You know, you stand by the fire with your buds and you're warming yourself up and here comes Peter. I'm like, can I get in here too? <laughs> like you just they, yeah. these guys just arrested your master. Right. Like he's so insecure he can't even stand by himself. Yeah. Like he can be a, go be afraid in the corner by yourself, Peter. No, I've got to be with these guys. You think he's trying to blend in? Yes, I think he's trying to associate in a way to not draw attention to himself, and okay. he's willing to go warm himself by the fire with these guys. Okay. And apparently, you know, you could see like it's dark, but there's a fire, so it lights up your face, and they right. kind of look and they're like, "Who's this guy?" I see this guy in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> right. Aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Yeah. And he's like, "No, no, not me." Right. Denies it again. Yeah. And then uh, the third one, um, Malchus's relative who was there, he's like, wait, didn't you just try to kill Malchus? <laughs> Can you see how this went down? It'd be crazy. Yeah. Didn't you just try to kill Malchus and cut his ear off? Right. Like, that's you. I saw you there. Yeah. It wasn't me. I don't even know Jesus. Yeah. You know? Three times. Rooster, right. rooster crows back. Yeah. And he... he he emphasizes that he doesn't know Jesus because he he swears. The other gospels record yeah. that he swears. I swear that I don't know this guy. And then he curses. He starts uh-huh. to curse at him, right? Or curse maybe. Himself I think it says he them. curses himself. He's yeah. he's calling down curses. Yeah. May God curse me if I'm yeah. not telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not. Yeah, this is. And then the rooster crows and he begins to weep yeah. bitterly. Jesus makes eye contact with him at that point. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's scared. Yeah. He's afraid. And it's really easy for us to laugh at Peter mm-hmm. and say, Come on, Peter. Like, aren't you the one who said you would die with Jesus? Haven't you been with him for three years and seen all of his miracles and and you've heard him teach? He has explicitly said that this is going to happen. Saw him walk on water. Uh-huh. At that point, they were afraid of Jesus. He he has walked on water yeah. with Jesus, mm-hmm. and so it's really easy to look at this and say, "Come on, Peter. How, how are we supposed to? How are we supposed to view this?" I was thinking a lot about it, and I think really Peter just is a good representation of who humanity really is. Yeah, this is who we are. The fall has affected us so profoundly and so deeply that even after spending three years with God in the flesh, hearing him teach, fold the scriptures, seeing him walk on water, um, at that point they suspect, I think, he's more than a man because if they're afraid, they're greatly afraid of him. Yeah. Like the fear of God. Feed thousands, heal the blind, cure the paralyzed, and then raise a dead man. Um, and uh, it seems irrational. Yeah, you'd think uh, Jesus is who he says he is. I'll do anything to follow him. But the fear of man is a very powerful thing, and the fallen nature of man is also very powerful. And uh, I thought about Elijah at this point because he's totally irrational. Yeah, like. He's a superhero, and it kind of in my mind right. until this clicked in my mind, and I don't know why it didn't really click till this week, but it did for me. Can we think about the Old Testament characters like like they're they're heroes? Yeah, they're superheroes, 
and especially him, because it's my favorite stories. Elijah at Mount Carmel, standing down all of the prophets of Baal and Asherah. <laughs> there are 400 prophets of Baal, 450, mm-hmm. I think, something like of Asherah. He thinks he's the only only prophet of, of God left, Yeah. Uh, though I think there are others God had preserved at the time, but he thinks he's the only one. And he's so brave that he says, let's have a competition of the gods. You will make a, make a sacrifice, you call down, you call out to your god. And I'll call out to mine, and we'll see who's God today. And of course, you know the story, and he starts to mock them and make fun of them even. Maybe he's using the bathroom, and they start to cut themselves and do all kinds of crazy stuff, not listening. He's like, okay, let's see. Throw water all over the sacrifice, just so you know what's real. And they douse it. It's totally saturated. He calls down fire. God sends fire down in front of them, burns it all up to nothing. And everybody knows at that point, who God is, right? right? They're like, Yahweh is God, and this is Yahweh's man. And he takes those men down there and kills all of them. Yeah. He slays 400 men. And then he runs from a lady. <laughs> the very next chapter, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and then she swears that before the day's over, she's going to kill Elijah. Right. And he runs. The text says... Then he was afraid, and he rose, and he ran for his life. That doesn't make any sense, Yeah. right? All that he's done, uh, God has done through him, all that he's seen, and it, it just tells me that we underestimate what we are capable of doing. We all, we're like Peter in saying, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. That'll never be me. I'll never betray Jesus. Yep. Um, we underestimate our uh, fallen how deep, deeply it's affected us, yeah, and how powerful the fear of man really is, right? Yeah, I mean, if you if you read through the Old Testament, you're going to be confronted with guys that are afraid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it starts all the way back in Genesis three with uh, with Adam um, being afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say even Cain, um, him lashing out is because of fear. Um, the fear of, of rejection. Mm. Um, we talked about Abraham. God gives him these promises. You're going to have a, a child through your wife. Mm-hmm. And the next verse, he's given his wife away. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, she's not my wife. She's my sister. He's worried. He's like, they'll kill yeah, me. Yeah, he's afraid. They'll kill me and take you. Yeah. Uh, look at look at the story of, of the judges. I mean, you've got... Barack, he's so afraid he's not going to go fight unless Deborah goes with him. Mm. Gideon is is afraid. Um, yeah, we've just got. I mean, we're we've got fear, mm-hmm. fear, and uh, it will lead us to anger. It will lead to anxiety, lying, um, irrational thoughts, feelings, actions. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I, I think that you're right. Peter, he stands as this kind of representative of, ah, this, is what, this is what we're like. Yeah. Um, if we examine our lives, we're not going to come off looking any better than, than Peter. How, how many times have we been asked, do you know Jesus? And we've been afraid. Right. We haven't spoken up. Um, we've kind of softened it. Um, yeah, we're, we're exactly like Peter and, uh, I like you, you brought out, you know, 
it's easy for us to see Peter here and say, well, this is before this is before he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. But you brought up another yeah. instance um later on. Yeah. Because he does become he does become this he becomes, bold he, does, he yeah. becomes this bold spokesman in Acts chapter two. Yeah. But um And he'll be willing to die for Jesus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even be crucified. Right. Um but that doesn't mean that he's not still a still, man. He's yeah. still he's still he's still a sinner. He's still a sinner. He's still plagued with uh the fe- with fear of man. It's still it still is in some sense got him. Yeah. Um and he's battling against it. Not to say maybe maybe he eventually got over it after this mm-hmm. and it would just be God's grace using another believer to point it out yeah. and to bring him out of it, but uh, Paul records it in Galatians that mm-hmm. uh that Peter was eating with the Gentiles until the until the Jews showed up. Those yeah. came from James, uh-huh. and then he separates himself from the Gentiles uh, because he says because he feared the circumcision party. Yeah, he feared the Jews, and and he said Paul says, and this is such a big deal. It's out of step with the gospel. Right, it's a threat to the gospel. What you're doing, so he confronts him publicly. But you can see clearly, he's not gotten over it yet right like all of it yeah uh, he still battles with it it right. comes up in various ways so maybe after this it did i don't know yeah that it was god's grace to have paul call him out so publicly yeah yeah all right so we've got the fear of peter yeah um we'll we'll talk i, I want to talk a little bit more about it um as we go into this last section which is the bravery of jesus okay all right so we have this this contrast between <clears throat> peter He's standing outside around this fire, and people are asking him, are you one of his disciples? And he's saying, I don't even know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, and there's Jesus inside, mm-hmm. and he's he's surrounded by enemies, and his response is much different. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So... You can see you can see the flip, the the latter part of this uh, of this proverb Proverbs twenty nine twenty five uh, the fear of man lays a trap or a snare but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe and so I kind of pose the question like who's who's the one in danger in this passage mm-hmm. like that we see here we would think Jesus is in danger of being crucified of, of dying and while all those things are true uh, Jesus is trusting in the Lord here and that's what I think what we see how clearly he is he's not irrational he's not fearful. He is trusting in God that even if he goes, they go through with this unjust trial and he is crucified, which he knows is going to happen, um, he'll be raised from the dead. And so he trusts God completely. He answers uh, the questions accurately, all of them. He's not hiding anything. He's not concealing anything. He's open. So the high priest begins to question him uh, about his disciples and his teaching. Now there's no mention of disciples. I think Jesus just ignored it because he's not he's not going to rat out his disciples, right? Because he's, he's oh, not well, afraid. P- Peter's right outside. Yeah, well, yeah. Bring, we got you bring know him in. <laughs> you, you know one of them. Right. Yeah, it's one of your buddies. Yeah, uh, and the other guy over there is scared. That's him. Yeah, he doesn't. No, he doesn't even address the disciples. Yeah. The question maybe is comes from like how big is this? In, can this insurrection be if it kicks off? Yeah, if we crucify Jesus. What kind of backlash will there be? Mm-hmm. He doesn't. He doesn't even talk about his disciples. On his teaching, he s- says something to the effect of, "I've only spoken publicly, openly, um, where all Jews gather, synagogues, and in the temple." Um, why do you ask me what I say? Go ask those who heard me what I say. Yeah. Right. 
Um, and in saying that, Jesus, in a masterful way, is exposing the high priest's wickedness in the way he's going about this trial. Yeah, because right now we're not talking about Jesus before the Sanhedrin, mm-hmm. right? John John kind of glosses over that and, and jumps from Annas to Pilate, yeah. pretty fast. Uh-huh. Um, the other gospels relate kind of the the bigger trial that's going on before the 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 Sanhedrin, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Who, who do you think's here? Do you think this is, I mean, this is just a small pocket of people, right? Probably what they're doing is, since Annas is the real power, mm-hmm. and they can do it shady-like, uh, because he's not going to be so the it's, one. So it's not, it's... Can we get Jesus... It's not It's not a legal trial. No. But it's... But they're hoping to slip. he'll slip up. Right. And say something that they can take him in uh-huh. as evidence. Right. Because they don't have real evidence. That's what you <laughs> right. see in the other Gospels. Yeah. For a Jewish trial... To take place, number one, it can't be arrested at night. Yeah, the trial can't be at night. Mm-hmm. Um, the witnesses act as a prosecutor, right. so the prosecutors in this case should be the high priest and the other priests or Pharisees, um, and the the people that are questioned are the ones that are the witnesses. So they're grilled, yeah, and they all must be in perfect agreement. The other gospels show that no one is in agreement about anything. Yeah, they. <laughs> They're, the official charge is blasphemy, mm-hmm. but they don't care uh, so much about the blasphemy charge. Right. That's that's just cover for what they're really afraid of losing their power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so, in in Jesus in saying that, go ask those who heard what I said. He's kind of way saying, "Where are the call where, your witnesses? Where are they at?" Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the the. Uh, official that's there slaps Jesus in the face, and Jesus doesn't lose control. He literally turns the other cheek, because it's probably a backhanded slap, and uh, don't know that for sure, but he probably just smacked him, right? How dare you talk to the high priest like that? Mm -hmm. Jesus doesn't say, oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, "Uh, if what I said is wrong, show me. Show me. Yeah. If what I said is right, why why do you hit me? Yeah. Right, so this man has done something illegal too. Right, and, and there's and he's done something ironic also. He's done something very ironic because there is a real high priest in this passage. Right, <laughs> and it's the one he just hit. Yeah, it's not the one doing the questioning. Mm-hmm. It's it's there's a real high priest here. Yeah, there it's not, can only it's, o- it's not a puppet high priest yeah. that's been installed by the Romans. There can only be one high priest at a time. Right, right, and there is one. Yeah, it's just not the one they think it is. Yeah. Um. And it's this great irony that's there. And so he shows his uh, bravery, his faithfulness. He's not hiding anything. He's not concealing. He's entrusted himself. He's trusting in God. Yeah. He has reason to be afraid from a merely human perspective. This man has incredible power. Um, these these uh, other officials that are there, they, they do too. And he's not afraid of them. Um He's tempted in, in every way that we are, mm-hmm. right? So there is the maybe the fear of, man, they can actually physically do me a lot of pain. Uh, but he is goes beyond that to trusting in God. Yeah. So he's his fear is not misplaced. Right. Yeah. So he's not um, detached. Mm-hmm. Like he's not a robot going through right. this. He he is a man. He, yeah. 
um, how do you how would you feel if someone backhanded you in the face, Jay? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you probably you could get angry, uh-huh. especially if what you don't deserve it. Right. If what you've only spoken truth. Right. And he doesn't lash out, and uh, he maintains he's under control. Yeah. Um, he's the exact opposite of all of us. Yeah. When confronted with every reason to be afraid, he, mo- he he's able to go beyond that by trusting in God. Right. So there's, there's two there's two things that we need to look at, two angles, I guess, that we need to approach this. The first is Jesus is our example. He he is the righteous man. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the one to whom Proverbs twenty nine is is pointing. Mm-hmm. He is the one who who ultimately trusts in God, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so he is our example of how we are to live, also, mm-hmm. right? So instead of instead of being um, you know, paralyzed by the fear of man, we need to redirect our fear. It, the The Bible doesn't tell us not to fear, right? It tells us to redirect our fear, have appropriate fear, yeah, appropriate fear, godly fear, yeah. Um, and so instead of fearing these these men, these wicked men who are surrounding him, who can do him great harm. Mm-hmm. He's directing his fear towards God. Um, he's he's putting into practice exactly what he taught his disciples. Don't fear don't fear those who can kill the body, right? But f- rather fear the one who can kill both body and soul in hell, uh-huh. right? And so that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we need to do also. Right. We need to redirect our fear. Yeah. Um, but the other angle is recognizing that even though Jesus is our example. We fall far short <laughs> right. of ever following this example, yeah. Uh-huh. right? Yeah. So we're we're to follow the example of Jesus in being brave and trusting in God. Uh, but what do we do when we? I mean, if we leave it right there, what do we do when we reveal ourselves to be cowards? Right. Yeah. You can easily fall into a moralistic. This could this could quickly. Uh, what is the term? that I'm looking for, devolve, that would be a good term. This could devolve into moralistic preaching very fast. Right. Be like this. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. And then when you don't... There's nothing wrong with saying be like Jesus, because he is our example. No, no, no. We are to be like him. But if we just stop right there, um, we've missed (laughs) what's going on. Yeah, if we we just simply stop there, because every, every week someone will be placed in a position... To succumb to fear, and and many people will will succumb to it. Yeah, if Peter can do it afterward, right? Uh, when he's confronted by Paul in in the letter to Galatians, after seeing the resurrected Jesus, after going through this fiasco, uh, we certainly can. And what do you do then? Just fall into despair, right? Beat yourself up. Yep. Try harder. Just try harder, Jay. Yeah. Uh, no, we're to. Thank God that Jesus was faithful on our behalf, and in every way that we fail, He did not fail, and He is our perfect representative. Even if I succumb to fear and sin against God and not being brave like I should, well, He's He has uh, made satisfaction for that sin as well, right? None of us are as brave as we should be for Jesus. Mm-hmm. None of us are as bold as we should be. So we can either beat ourselves up with this, or we can say. I'm I'm just thankful for Jesus that he is and was everything that I should be and and he can transform me um continually over the course of my life if I'll trust him. Yeah. He's not going to get mad at me 
because I wasn't bold and brave enough and disowned me. That's not who he is. He doesn't disown Peter. In fact, the only reason Peter doesn't fall away ultimately is because Jesus prayed for him. Well, that'll come up later. Great high priest, yeah. right? He's functioning as the high priest for his people. Yeah. An element I didn't bring up in this is the supernatural element of what's happening in Peter's life. Satan has demanded to have Peter mm. to sift him like wheat. Yeah. And so he's going through the he's going through the grinder, yeah. spiritual grinder. Satan's going on him full bore. And uh, there's a supernatural element to everything that's happening to Peter. But Jesus says, "But I've prayed for you." And so he's going to come through it. And, and then he says, "When you return, yeah. you restore your brothers." Right. And so the only reason Peter makes it even out of this thing is because Jesus prayed for him, and he's standing in he's standing in his place, doing what he should be doing. Yeah. And so he'll he'll make it. And so will we. It won't be because of us. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. And I think the more that we we see that, the bolder we will become. Mm-hmm. Um, not because we're pumping ourselves up in front of a, a mirror, you know, um, but as we are looking to Christ as our only hope, we're looking to him as our, our faithful great high priest um, who has already um, paid the penalty for us and who is yeah. interceding for us. It's based on those gospel truths that we in turn find boldness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember Spurgeon's quote, but it's something like with every look, uh, every time you look at yourself, look 10 times at Christ mm-hmm. or something, you know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. And that's really a good, that's really good advice because you look at yourself and you'll see how much of a failure you are. Yeah. And, um, then look to Christ all the more. And that's the transforming look, right? We look to him, we cherish him, we're thankful for him. He's everything that we should be. Um, and it's by focusing on him external to ourselves that he through the spirit internally transforms us. Yeah. It's a very backward way of the the world doesn't function that way. <laughs> right. The world is all about yourself. Mm-hmm. Know yourself, be true to yourself. Yeah. Build yourself up. Well, yeah, we build ourselves up, but by focusing externally. Yeah. And then God, through the Spirit, builds us up. Yeah. When we think about those external things, um, we experience fear when we don't live up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, when we're when the threat of losing something that is valuable to us appears, that's when we experience this fear because we're trying to walk according to our own understanding yeah i'm um, trying to do it ourselves I, I keep coming back to this uh this passage in isaiah 50 jay i, I mentioned it to you i think a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. but let, let me read it okay this is isaiah 50 verses 4 through 11 it's the servant mm-hmm. um, th- these are the words of the servant so he says the lord god has given me the tongue of those who are taught that i may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. So this is his arrest. This is Jesus's circumstance, right? But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. 
Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the light of your fire and by the torches that you have kindled. This you have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. Mm-hmm. So we've got the yeah. we've got the serpent who he is surrounded by his enemies and he he doesn't turn back from being obedient. He he turns his back to those who are going to beat him and he gives his his beard to those who are going to pull it pull it out. And he says, "But I I won't fear. I fear God." Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the call is for those who will fear God and and obey his servant. Um, to to put on that boldness, to yeah. put on that courage. Yeah, that's right. Um, and there's a there's a difference between those who trust in God, even though they're in darkness, even though they don't they don't know what the future holds, um, compared with those who try to light their own path with their own torches, with their own lights. Um, those who fear God will be saved, and those who walk by the light of their own torches will be um, they'll mm-hmm. they'll find torment. They'll find judgment. Right, yeah. So we had a text-in question. I haven't really looked at it uh, other than read it once. Uh-huh. Um, let's see if... It came from a community group. Okay. So let's All see right. if we can uh, make yeah, yeah. something of it and answer the question. Okay. The question is, the community group went to Acts 5.33, when going, talking about the sermon stuff. Yeah. 5.33 and verses surrounding it. And the question is, Gamaliel bringing up insurrectionist. Did this color... Did this color the fear of the of Rome and rejection of Christ, or did they really just hate his claim of deity? I think it's yes. Right. <laughs> I think the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I don't think those are mutually exclusive. Right. Um, because they don't they don't trust in the way that God is going to accomplish his purposes. Yeah, the the example you gave earlier of uh Herod yeah. and the babies as mm. a great example of kind of probably what's going on in their mind. I, I listed several of the prophecies. Like as he's questioning Jesus about his teaching, right. he's like, everybody knows what I taught. Right? Yeah. And they they know what he's done. They actually believe he's done all these things. Mm. This is what's crazy. They believe he's done all these signs, which John's tells us these signs point to who he is so that we would believe. Yeah. They they acknowledge them all. They say he teaches like one with authority, not like their teachers. Greatest teacher they've ever seen. Signs, miracles, wonders. Um, and if they knew the scriptures, Jesus said, you search the scriptures, um, because in them you think you have life, but you're not listening to the scriptures. Yeah, they point to me. They point, they're all about me, and you won't come to me. Yeah. So w- what's going on? Right. Well, there's the fear element, and then there's also the element that they don't... You know they don't trust God to take care of history to unfold uh, that it will unfold according to God's plan. Yeah. Like the the list of the prophecies, I said if they were listening, they'd get to some right. They'd be like, "Oh, Bethlehem, right? <laughs> um, oh, how how much more explicit?" <laughs> and they're like, uh, "He's is he in the line of David? Anybody check? Is he uh, David's line? Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. Mir- miracles and signs. Yeah. Anybody see it?" I saw him literally attach Mal- um, the, Malchus' ear. Yeah, I saw him put it back on. the the the, mir- <laughs> the miracle that that really set this in motion was the raising of Lazarus. Right, 
and um yeah this is not this is not some you know yeah uh david copperfield <laughs> right. illusion yeah, like people, people knew this guy has been in there for four days yeah. yeah um and jesus calls him out yeah yeah uh how much and then i was like just thinking about it can you imagine if they really looked through this stuff yeah how many pieces of silver do you guys give? Uh, <laughs> please, please, don't, please don't say thirty. Please don't say thirty. Don't right. say it. Don't say it. Yeah, thirty. Right. You think that light bulbs start coming on? Yeah. What What are we trying to do? We're trying to get him crucified. Is yeah, that... yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just doesn't. Well, it doesn't click. Yeah, I've been um, I've been reading Exodus for my my own private devotionals, and um, what's so amazing is that Moses he's commissioned by God. He comes back to the the elders of of Israel. Mm-hmm. They're in slavery. They're in bondage. Um, they're being oppressed. And Moses tells them, "God has hurt you, and He's going to rescue you." And they worship. Yeah. Moses goes to Pharaoh. Yahweh says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, I don't know who this Yahweh is. I'm not going to listen to him. And it seems like you guys have too much time on your hands. So now you have to go <laughs> get your own straw. But the brick the brick quota is, is not going to go down. You have to produce the same amount of bricks, but now you don't get the straw given to you. Um, and so the taskmasters, they, they enforce this. Um, and the people complain to Moses. What have you done to us? Yeah. Well, Moses is telling them, um, God, is, God is going to deliver you. This is all part of God's plan. And they don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. I, immediately, they, they, they change. Their circumstances suddenly get worse, and they, they stop believing the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they're, as they're taken out of Egypt and they experience hardships, what do they start complaining? Oh, well, we <laughs> yeah. should go back to Egypt. We had it good. Yeah. <laughs> we had it good back in Egypt. We, yeah. And they start listing all the food that they had. And all we've got is this yeah. this manna. <laughs> we got this stuff. Yeah. We don't yeah. know what this is. Um, the, the history of Israel has been marked <laughs> right. by unbelief, by a fear of, of man, um, a fear of losing things. God's giving them all of these great promises, and hey, we'll suffer the you know indignation of being slaves so long as we've got mm-hmm. our cucumbers. Yeah, and people people like to say, uh, oh, well, you guys talk about the Israel and Jews like that's because you know you're anti-Semitic, but no, not really, because what we're saying is, in this sense, Jews, what they reveal is all of humanity, right? What would a people do if God chose a people specially for himself? Yeah. Not what what it's the problem is that they're Jewish. The issue is they're human. Yeah. What what if God revealed himself specially to a people, chose them for himself, revealed himself in signs and wonders, did all of these things? How deeply has the fall really affected us all? Right. And that's what they continually reveal. Yeah. And so the the Jewish leaders, they are perfectly content to live under the thumb of Rome mm-hmm. and experience the indignities as long as they got their their little pocket of power. Yep. And right. they're willing to kill God in order to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And that's the case for all of humanity. Yeah. But um God has promised that those who fear him and obey his servant will experience life. And those who rebel 
and trust their own ways uh, and try to hold on to their own little kingdom, mm-hmm. they'll suffer the consequences. Yep. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, good conversation today, Jay. Yeah. You've really lightened my spirit. There we go. Right. <laughs> you bet. Hey, I like uh, I like when people send in questions. So uh, if you have questions, send them in. If you are a, a member of Christ Fellowship Church, you certainly can text uh, Jay or I, and we can uh, address those uh, on the podcast. Or you can send in uh, an email. You can go to the website uh, for Christ Fellowship Church, and you can send us an email with your questions, and we would be happy to uh, address those questions here. We hope this has been helpful, and it's our prayer, as always, to help you become more and more conformed to Christ.